I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Matt Chan is a former crossfitter. Uh, still crossfits, but by himself. But you know his name because he was in the, in the arena with the rich Fronings of the world. He attended the CrossFit game six times came second twice, and today is a firefighter in Denver, Colorado. I wanted to talk to Matt because, again, he's a big influencer. He's got a big community that follows him, and he's okay telling that community that he hunts. Uh, I first saw that he was hunting in the high country of Colorado for mule deer this year. I killed a nice bull elk. And naturally, I just wanted to reach out and just say, hey, Matt, would you like to have a conversation about hunting? I'd uh, love to expose our community to who you are and what you do and why you love to hunt. So here's the conversation. If you like this conversation, give it a rating, give it a review, and most importantly, share it with your friends across social media. It's the one way that we can communicate who we are, what our heart is made out of, and what hunting is doing for people, communities, and wildlife all over the world. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Does <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So we're just saying, uh, friends of ours, friend of ours, I actually asked Rich, I said, Rich, how's your relationship with Matt Chan? Because I don't know, like I, when I went and, and visited Rich and sat with him and embedded with him, I, I'm not a CrossFit guy, okay? I, am, I have done wads in the past. I have never been in a CrossFit gym except for when I went to Rich. 
in which then he, we trained four times in one day. And I said, I can't remember the last time I've trained four times in a week. That makes two of us. <laughs> and, um, I, and I don't know like rivalries, right? There, there's certain camps in CrossFit and, you know, you guys are, are huge competitors, obviously. And so I asked Rich, I said, hey, Rich, I'm about to, I'm going to talk to Matt on the podcast. And I have an idea for you and Rich. We can talk about this after the podcast. I said, you're good mates? He's like, oh, yeah, man. He, he, he backed me. I can't remember the terminology. He backed me in the Leadville. And so he's like, yeah, we're good mates. We definitely competed against each other at one point in time. But in reality, uh, you know, that was a long time ago, 2000, basically 2010 through 2013. Uh, that's when I was still in it competing against him. But since then, you know, we've just been nothing but friends. And there's still a competitive aspect to certain parts of our relationship, I'm sure. But, you know, I'd like to provide him with as much support as possible. So, like, doing the, the fruit, they call it brewing for the Leadville 100 was kind of a way that I could um, help him out uh, in something that I've done in the past. And You've and done really, the Leadville? I have, yeah. And just be there for him as, as his support to hopefully see him achieve his goals. And, you know, hopefully that connects us in another way. Oh, and obviously... You both now are hunters. Yeah, yep. Kindred um, spirits. Yeah, definitely. And I would definitely like to connect with him uh, in the future doing some of the stuff. You know, uh, there is a difference, obviously, uh, from how he hunts to how I hunt. Um, I don't do any of the media stuff. So obviously traveling around with an entourage of cameras and, and stuff like that would be an adjustment, you know, it's not something that I'm opposed to, but it's certainly different than my experience. My experience is generally, I go with one, maybe two people at the most. We're generally out there, um, pretty, pretty remote in the backcountry, you know, doing archery hunts for elk. And most of the days are dead silent, just hanging out, taking naps in the woods, not, enter <laughs> not entertaining a camera crew, you know, he's good yep. at it though. I mean, he's certainly good at it. Well, you know, he, he's he's trying to, you know, he he's left CrossFit competitively now, and now as I was, when we spoke to each other, I asked him, so so what now is replacing it? And hunting is that replacement. Hunting is that competition in him, and hey. obviously there's a business side to hunting, and he's trying to tap into that business side of hunting. Yeah. Interestingly enough, his first elk, I think. If I remember correctly, it took him twenty nine days of this, over three years. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that true for everybody? Honestly, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's that's something I was thinking about leading up to talking to you. Is you know, uh, it it th this is something that does not come easy for anybody, and it there's a accumulation of skill sets that takes years to accomplish. Um, you know, you I think. It's easy to look at hunting and become overwhelmed with the amount of tasks, the amount of gear, the amount of skill sets that that you need to even go on your first hunt. And, you know, I have friends that have been collecting points in Colorado for a number of years who spent minimal days out in the in the backcountry. And now that they're ready to draw in the next couple of years, they're like, send me a list. And when they see <laughs> And when they see the list, it's like that you're talking about like three thousand dollars worth of gear before you buy a tag, before you spend the days in the in the backcountry. And it's like, oh, that's that's just the things you can buy. 
You can't mm-hmm. buy skills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's it can be overwhelming, but you know, in my experience, I've only been hunting for ten years. Um, it's changed my life a hundred percent. It's changed my life. Every fall, September is hashtag September, and like this is. I look forward to it every single year. I look forward to the disappointment. I look forward to the the highs, the lows, and it's changed my life. Well, Matt Chan, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. I know we've been trying to get this uh, situated for a while, and September hit in between us getting together, and you're like, look, dude, just reach out to me at the end of October. I was like, two and a half months from now, I'll make a note, and I'll reach out. Yeah, thanks for doing that. (laughs) Matt Chan, if people don't know who you are, you want to give a quick introduction to who yeah, you are? Sure. Um, I would say I kind of classify myself as a firefighter now, you know, as far as like what I do for a living. Um, I have competed in CrossFit uh, for nearly, I think I, I went to the CrossFit game six times. I took second place in 2012, just after Rich Froney. Um, and he and I went head to head that year for the whole competition. Um, I taught with CrossFit for uh, 12 years on their level one and level two seminar staff. I created a, a course for them called the CrossFit Competitors Course. Uh, I run a program called Training for the Win, and it's now a, a longevity program that uses science-based protocols to get people where they want to go, more comfortable in the backcountry, more comfortable at work. Um, but I'd say my true heart is in the backcountry, whether it's skiing, mountain biking, climbing, or hunting. And my wife and I do a lot of that stuff together. And that is a big part of me is my relationship with my wife and having those experiences mm-hmm. with each other in the backcountry. So um, I feel does like your wife hunt. She does. Yeah, she does. Um, we have, we've yet to get her in an animal, but uh, we're taking our time with it and making sure everything's comfortable we're, and we're not rushing anything. And she is bow hunting, rifle hunting, rifle hunting, rifle hunting. Rifle hunting. Good, good, good. good. Um, so obviously, you mentioned ten years ago is when you started hunting. Were you you were obviously doing the backcountry stuff, the skiing, the snowboarding, the hiking before you entered into the hunting world? Yeah, yeah. For about twenty years, I've been spending time in more and more remote places, uh, generally in Colorado, but around around the western U.S. So why? Why then do you become a hunter? Obviously, you were not a hunter. Didn't grow up a hunter, right? Nope. Uh, you know, went for a few days with some friends, uh, dove hunting and stuff like that. But um, I, I didn't grow up in a hunting family. So, you know, access was uh, pretty limited to, to when my friends would ask me to go. And even Mom then, and dad it, just didn't hunt? Or dad didn't? No, both are hippies. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and they, they, they are guns people, you know, they're not gun toting, you know. So mm-hmm. all, firearms and stuff like that were forward to me growing up. Um, but, you know, spending time with the people uh, that I spend time with, uh, I just started to develop an interest. And uh, I spent a few weeks with a guy named... Uh, Dane Dorian, who's a who's a oh, yeah. big wave surfer, big yeah. bow hunter out yeah. of Hawaii, yeah, for correct. sure. Correct, correct, yeah. Uh, I was introduced to him through a uh, mutual sponsor, and we spent some time uh, hunting hogs on uh, the Big Island. Amazing, yeah, pretty cool. And you know that kind of lit my my wick a little bit to um, 
dive a little further into it. And every year I've picked up a few new skills, uh, started rifle hunting, you know, just a few years ago. And really I'm, I'm enjoying all aspects of, of hunting, especially the meat. 100%. It's interesting that you said earlier, you know, the whole tag system and drawing and drawing a tag and the points and it's another skill in. set. Yeah, it's a different skill set, of course, like the yeah. computer skill set and units and whatnot. But you made a thing that I don't think anyone actually talks about, which is 10, 13 years of putting in for points. You're sacrificing hunting those years to get to that one opportunity. Well, patience. Yet you're not gathering all the skills that you need to ensure that when that opportunity arrives, to capitalize on it. Yeah, you know, luckily enough, I live in Colorado where the over-the-counter tag system is is readily available. So you can collect preference points and still hunt each year. And uh, I know out-of-state people, unless you're, you know, doing pretty well financially, that can be a reach for a lot of people. 100%. And, and collecting tags, I'm sorry, collecting preference points for your big hunt is the, is the route you kind of have to go. Um, but there are a lot of opportunities out there for people to pursue while they're accumulating those, those points and those skill sets. Like example, the last two years I've picked up a tag in Montana for a cow elk, um, in the late season and it's only $300 mm. and yeah, it takes some money to get there and to take the time off of work and, and all of that. But I do that because number one, it puts meat, meat in the freezer potentially. But number two, I get to go out there with some friends that live in Montana and I get to learn from them and I get to see the land in Montana so that when I do draw a bull elk tag in Montana, I, I feel comfortable. I know where to go. I know how to hunt there. Um, and I, I'm really excited about it. But it is, a, it is a slow accumulation of not only preference points, but skills and drills. Oh, no, it's all experience, right? I, went, I was actually fortunate enough to just, I just came back from Southern Colorado this past weekend in which I killed a cow elk. Congrats. And, um, and what you don't know about killing a cow elk is that you probably going to need to buy another freezer. Yep. Cause you don't actually know how big those animals are. Yep. Like 325, 330 dressed. I was just like, Holy smokes, man. I think one cow went like 375 wow. dressed. I was like, that's this monstrous amount of meat. I had to get rid of the ice cream freezer uh, last year from my wife my wife was like what are you doing why is the ice cream in this freezer i was like it's i'm filling every single freezer full of meat and then realized i was out of space and so i had to buy a new freezer yep we we just experienced the same thing so we have a uh, <laughs> we shot a uh an elk in uh first season rifle and in colorado and filled the freezer you know i paid out my two buddies that helped me pack it out and uh I think the I think the uh, weight coming back from the butcher was uh, two forty two. So it was a it was a big elk, and w like I said, we're going out to Montana uh, in January. So that second freezer that we have set up for our ice blocks for my right. ice bath, I'm gonna <laughs> have to gonna have to clear those out and put, to put put the elk in there. Um, Matt, are you? What are your firefighter friends saying about hunting? Are they hunters? Do you distribute the meat? Um, how, how, what, what, what are their reactions to this? 
Yeah. So the guys I work with, hunting is a way of life. Uh, before I went hunting with Shane, before I really started asking questions, I would notice that every, you know, March and April guys would sit around the table with their, uh, with their new brochure from, uh, from Colorado state mm-hmm. that, that talks about the areas. And then they do their research into how many points for each area. And I would of course listen, but have no idea really what they're talking about. And, you know, I always took some interest in, in it, but it seemed like an overwhelming task to learn uh, the process of applying for big game tags in Colorado. But, you know, after kind of, you know, breaking the, breaking the uh, floodgates and, and going hunting a couple times, the guys I work with, it's, it's something that we share together. Uh, you know, when, when the brochure comes out, we all sit down and talk about what we're doing this year, what the plans are. We start looking on Go Hunt Insider and and all that stuff for what point requirements are for each area. Can we head out of state yet? You know, can I go to Wyoming with five points uh, for elk, pronghorn, or deer? Stuff like that. So it's a really exciting time uh, for the hunters at at the fire department. Do you interact with? Obviously, you still. I would env- envision you're still involved in, in the CrossFit community in some sense of the word. Are there people that are, you know, do you give the meat away, give the elk away, give people like, hey, here's some venison that I, that, that I shot or killed? No, we do that at work. <laughs> uh, as, far as, <laughs> as far as working out with people, I, I, I work out in my, in my garage, you know. Oh, okay, okay. I think, dude, I think there were so many years where we were so yeah. immersed into the community that when we left, or when I stopped working for CrossFit Incorporated and when I stopped owning a gym and I sold the gym. It was nice to just work out by myself in my there garage. Gym. Yeah. But, but yeah, absolutely. We do. I, I do bring uh meat into the, to the fire department. We cook a roast or whatever on the, on the slow cooker. Uh, we'll do, you know, obviously uh, ground meat all the time. Maybe keep the back straps at home. <laughs> keep the good stuff. Yeah. Matt, what about, so I want to dive in a little bit to this whole, you know, when you, and maybe let's just start with you and we can migrate into what, what you know, is happening on Rich's um, Instagram right now, but just generally maybe sort of like larger influencer type yeah. people that are talking about hunting writ large. 10 years ago, you decide, okay, I'm going to be a hunter. 10 years ago, you're still very much in CrossFit, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Is there a point there that you're just like, did you make a conscious decision one way or another to say, um, are you going to communicate about hunting? Am I not going to communicate about hunting? Am I going to post about hunting? Am I going to get canceled? What's going to happen? Talk me through that. Yeah. So uh, like you're describing with Rich and, and his boar that he shot, you know, uh, my first experience with social media and the backlash from social media um, occurred in 2013. I shot a, I shot a mule deer, uh, archery and, you know, it was a, it was a forky, but it was my first velvet forky that I'd ever shot. And I was super proud about it. Um, field dressed it, you know, by myself with a, with a buddy, of course, and, you know, brought it back to the house and kind of learned the process of, you know, having a animal butchered. And I was super excited. So of course, you know, I took a picture um, with my harvest 
and you know, I'm smiling because I'm happy. And I posted that photo to Instagram back in like 2013 and the backlash was not what I expected. I would have thought that, you know, primarily my audience is CrossFitters generally or, or firefighters, that there would be a lot of support for finding a way to ethically harvest grass fed, free range, good life animals for your meat, your to take into your body, to turn it into the proteins that make up your structure. I would have thought that'd be more uh, respected, more something that people would look at and say, I want to do that. And that is definitely not the case. <laughs> so I don't have 1.4 million followers like Rich does. I watched my uh, social media following go down by the tens of thousands uh, after that post and it was like, okay, well, uh, I guess I can't afford to do that again, but yeah, I learned, I I learned about it, man. And, and what I've learned is that the way to, to do that now for me is to post a nice picture, um, wearing camo and all that stuff on the first slide of a, of a, of a group of photos and say, if you're triggered by seeing dead animals, please do not slide to the left because there is a photo of my harvest and at the very least you're warning people so that you're not pushing it into their face so that's how i approach it yeah and look the i i'm i'm totally a fan i actually just was talking about this earlier today you know people will look at trophy pictures and they'll be like you know robbie what's your take on a trophy picture it doesn't help or hurt hunting now my answer is it depends um if it's just by itself and there's no cleanup and it's guts and gore and blood and whatnot, and it doesn't it doesn't show us in the light that we should be showing ourselves in. Get it? It doesn't show respect for the animal. It doesn't show actually the entire process. Right. All it shows is Matt Chan, Rich Ronan smiling over a dead animal. Right. And the immediate connotation is, oh, you're smiling because you enjoyed killing that animal. Yes. Agreed. And it's like, mm, yes, I see that. I get it. But the smile, honestly, is not from the kill. Because if you, you, know, if you dived from a theological perspective and philosophical perspective, and you spoke with a hundred hunters, you surveyed a hundred hunters, Immediately after the shot is taken, whether it's with a bow or a rifle, and something happens to that animal, whether it drops and it kicks or it runs away or does something, something psychologically in our brains, and again, I'll put money on the fact that it's 99 out of 100 hunters. There's some sort of like remorse, gut anxiety, you know, stomach sickness kind of thing within you. Yep. And you have to ask the question, why? Like, why do you get that? And the, the, you get that because you didn't enjoy seeing that animal act the way it did after you trying to ethically take its life. Yeah. It's part of the human psyche. Uh, so, you know, the idea of this, this, this idea that we purport to love the animals that we take, that we purport to love the animals that we kill, it's a very difficult concept to translate over social media, even more difficult when it's a single picture with a single person smiling. 
Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Like, I respect every one of those animals, the what they endure throughout their lifetime, both from hunting pressure, but also just from the environment that they live in throughout the year. It's it's amazing, and that feeling that you're describing, I, you know, I experienced that with this last animal I harvested that I took uh, the first shot and this old bull just stood there like nothing ever happened to him. I shot it from 365 yards and I thought, oh, you know, that wasn't a good shot. And right, like mm-hmm. what you're describing was here comes the nerves, here comes the regret, here comes the the grief of potentially wounding an animal. I quickly reloaded another round, shot it in the exact same spot, and it walked off. And I watched, this is funny, so it walked out of view uh, behind some trees, and I actually saw a moose pop up out of some willows and stare in that direction. And while I was thinking that elk is walking away, I just wounded it. I watched that moose stare in that direction for 20 minutes. So I knew that that elk was still there and that it was going down. But until I put eyes on that elk in the field and that it had expired, the whole time it was just, man, I hope I didn't mess that up. Yeah, sickness to your stomach. Yeah, and people don't get to see that. They don't understand that the minute you fire your weapon, it's, it's a countdown until you see that you actually completed the task. And yeah. Luckily enough, you know, in this in this occasion, uh, both shots were good shots, and it just took a second for the animal to expire. So, um, it is a huge relief. I have had it go the other direction, where you do take a shot, and the animal disappears, and it's you're tracking blood in the middle of the night, and you're like, it's a countdown, it's a countdown, and every second you're hating yourself for not showing more restraint for a better shot or hey. another opportunity. And luckily, you know, I've never not found an animal that I took a shot at, but boy, oh boy, it's, it is a stressful, it is a stressful part of hunting. Yeah. The cow elk that I shot two or three days ago, 225 on a super steep side slope and downhill on a tripod that was not a good tripod. Felt like I was good. She was quartering to me. Felt like I was in a good spot for the trigger pull. Good trigger pull. I'm shooting suppressed. So I I hear the slap. And but immediately she walks off and I'm like, Yep. Oh man, I pulled it, right? I pulled it right because I'm on a right down slope down side slope and and I'm even in the video you can hear me, just personal video. I can, you can hear me just start swearing. Like I messed up, I messed up, I messed yeah. up. And then when we got to the place where she was, where she walked off, it's just like pinpricks of blood. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. Like we're going to track this for 200, 300 yards and the blood's going to disappear. Yeah. And the guy that was with me looked at it and he said to me afterwards, he's like, when I saw the blood, I was like, oh, this is not good too. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to vocalize it. But she was dead 15 yards away. Yeah, that's a good feeling. And was perfect, perfect, perfect shooting. And it was a great feeling. And it's just like this, again, you take that sort of stress and anxiety and sickness. And when you see the animal for the first time, there's just this, this monstrous weight that gets lifted off you. Yep. And again, psychologically, like, what is that? Is that 
that has to mean, again, you know, some theologist is going to, I need to break it down, but what does that mean? I subconsciously, from a human perspective, I, I would assume that it means that we loved that animal, that we wanted it to, you know, we wanted it to be as ethical as we possibly can. We really, you know, did not want to put it through any more pain, yeah. any more, you know, be as humane as we possibly can. Yeah. Man, I, th- I, th- I think it feels a lot like, you know, being ready for your job or being ready for a CrossFit competition, honestly. Like, you know, there was times in the past where, you know, I wasn't training as hard as I should have been for a competition. Uh, for example, you know, one of the last competitions I did before I kind of retired, I guess, was uh, Palooza down in Miami, Florida. And I wasn't in the greatest shape. Uh, I had just come back from an injury. I was easing into it. And when I stood there for the first event of the weekend with the group of people that I was, you know, in the same heat with, I felt unprepared. I felt like I had made a mistake. I had felt bad that I'm going to, you know, that I'm not respecting the competition, that I'm not respecting the audience by giving my best. It's a similar feeling. And it's the same is true for my job. Like if I get tasked with doing something on my job where lives are at stake, and I'm not prepared for that job, it, it shows, number one. And number two, it, it's, it, it's an embarrassment. You're not respecting the job. So this is very similar where you're not respecting the animal if you're not prepared, if you haven't done the legwork, if you don't consider your shots, all of that stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. Totally true. So you killed a bull this year. Yep. I saw you were... You went for a hike first, though. You took your bow for a hike yeah. first, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I had a a knee problem <laughs> a knee problem this year. I uh, trying to rehab a torn meniscus, so I did not buy a uh, archery season elk tag in Colorado. I kind of held back on that. I needed a little bit more time before I was comfortable carrying out a heavy animal, just in case. So I bought a, a deer tag, and I have some spots and kind of the area where I normally hunt and I, I was able to harvest uh, a mule deer on the last day of season and got to test out my knee. And it was a beautiful month. I got to spend probably 10 to 15 days in the backcountry. some days by myself, some days with my wife, some days with friends. And, cool. and uh, it was, it was great, man. I uh, glad that that whole thing came together on the last day I shot a doe at 67 yards and it was awesome shot it was downhill 67 yards and she made it like 25 yards before she uh expired and it was piled up yeah. Yeah. also also very you know as far as as far as you know antlers and stuff like that like don't get me wrong if i've got a either sex tag i'm waiting for bucks generally but last day of the season you know can't eat the antlers <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. that's right no it's funny the fire you talk about that a friend of mine who's a firefighter in salt lake city says that they accumulate all their um vacation days and whatnot and they're like literally just like take off the whole month of september like we're out yep we'll see you in october yeah you would think it's like christmas and the holidays and all that where people are fighting for the days off but it's like all of september and the second two <laughs> weeks of October. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So today, you're okay, comfortable posting about hunting? Uh, 
Are you still getting some backlash? Yeah, yeah. I think every time I post about something, um, I certainly get uh, direct messages. Or if I'll post to my like reels or whatever, where it stays on a on the carousel of of here's my posts, uh, people will definitely comment and be pretty rude about stuff. Um, but generally, you know, if if you show them respect as well. That hundred percent that they don't want to see that potentially, and you warn them that if you are triggered by this, please do not click the next story, or please don't slide to the left because you will see a dead animal. I think it's a, a respectful way to um, accommodate people, and you know the the biggest issues I've had lately are not with social media. It's actually been hunting um, in areas where there are hiking trails uh, and, mm. and having those interactions interactions yeah with hikers um especially you know in the in the front range part of of colorado if uh any of the hunters out there know i mean it's if you're if you're hunting north of i-70 basically golden all the way up to like estes park um there's a lot of foot traffic in those areas and generally those people are they're not necessarily anti-hunting um but they certainly react poorly from time to time whether they realize it or not what was can you give us an example of some of the interactions you've had yeah the worst one was uh, last thanksgiving my wife and i both had mule deer tags uh for i think it was fourth season rifle and we were in an area that does it's national forest and there is a closure because proximity to homes uh neighborhood um but we knew exactly where that was because we used to live in this area where the where the restricted area was and where the national forest with hunting access was. And though we had to walk through national forest that was restricted, we were hunting in another area and we had cams set up and we were all set. I was catching all sorts of great mule deer on this these cameras. And we go up there on Thanksgiving, first day of the of the season, and my wife and I are putting our clothes on at dawn. Uh, <clears throat> this is at the trailhead at, already at the trailhead and mm -hmm. uh, trucks parked there, uh, campers on the back of it. And as we're standing there putting on our clothes, a uh, guy walks by with two of his dogs and, you know, he walks, he, he's coming from the trail and he's walking back to his house. And as he walks by, he, he walked by and didn't say anything. And he made it about 50 yards past us, stopped and took his dogs off the leash and walked back towards us. And right away, he had uh, a different demeanor than what he walked by at first. Mm. And it, it's like he thought about it and something upset him. And mm -hmm. So we're standing there. And this is my wife's first year of hunting, of having a tag in her pocket. And he walks back and he tells us, you know, that this is a restricted area and that we have no business being here. And I said, I understand, sir. You know, I used to live in this area. Um, I know where their uh, hunting restricted areas are. We're actually going to hunt outside of those areas. And he asked me to show him on a map where we're going. So I did, of course. And, you know, it shows how Onyx ha shows the restricted area. I showed him where my trail cams were. So the guy basically yelled at us for about five minutes and took pictures of us and the area. He's holding his phone at us and whatever. But he proceeded to go up the trail system again. and. Uh, started making loud noises and being a buffoon, basically. And my, wow. my wife is upset. 
and she she had said that you know she's like are we doing something wrong mm-hmm. right and she doesn't mm-hmm. know that you know this is I've done well you have to you you or you you question it immediately with in any interaction right that person you're like is he right or am I right right even I, I had the same feeling myself and I and yep. I, I knew exactly yep. what I was doing and uh so you know, I, I assured her that everything was cool. So we go we go up there. We walk to our little spot. There's the trail camera sitting right there, and uh, the guy. About thirty minutes later, um, he starts. He comes up off of trail, walks past us. He's like, "Oh, there you are! There you are!" and uh, and starts making a buffoon of himself for the next hour and just shouting. I hope I'm not scaring off the deer. And that was our first experience with uh, real negative interaction. So we reported that to uh, the Colorado Division of Wildlife and um, nothing was done about it. You know, they said that they've had interactions with this guy before. Um, so I did my part. The problem is... I wonder what the, I wonder what the laws are for, uh, I would say it's almost like public harassment. It is public harassment. So we did some research into it and it is illegal to prevent a hunter from harvesting an animal um but it sounds to me like it's something that doesn't have good enforcement uh yeah, yeah. especially in the area where, where we were at yeah, yeah so we saw uh the, the the colorado guys out there and not a lot was done so we just don't hunt in that area anymore um but we've experienced similar things just with human interaction on trails where we're walking by people and my wife will say something to me she's like just, these people just don't know how they look at you when you walk by they look at you with <laughs> disgust and it's like and they're gonna go back and get a mcdonald's burger on the way home they, between the trailhead and where they live well uh, there's that and then there's also the fact that we're doing the exact same thing that they are which is enjoying public lands on trail and off of trail only we're dressed different and carrying weapons that we may or may not use yep so I, I I look at it like a tree. They just don't understand. My wife's name is Shree. Uh, they just don't understand. And I'm sure if we spent time with these people and they experienced what we experienced, they would probably grow to love this idea, this concept. Well, and that's why Blood Origins exists. Yes, exactly. You know, that's why we do what we do. We just communicate to the non-hunting majority, you know, and, you know, a post like Rich's. And luckily, I have a relationship with Rich. I was like, Rich, I'm going to comment. Pin my comment. Because then they'll see you. They react, like, immediately. Like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. I've even, there's actually, I just screenshot a, a, a woman's uh, reaction. Um, I'll actually read it right now. And it's the kind, this is why we do what we do. She goes to this post, and that's why I told Rich, I said, pin my post. He says, just wanted to say thanks for this comment from someone who saw this post and was immediately annoyed. Annoyed because I find killing when it's not necessary, a necessity disturbing. And if we're not being honest, killing things is not a necessity for Rich Front. But I read your comment and it reminded me about the same situation certain areas face with deer population. Those populations will have to be controlled one way or another. I do love the idea that when it's killed, it's consumed, provides nourishment rather than being killed for sport straight wasted with the consequence of ecological imbalance so thanks for this yeah i mean it's a good that's a good comment honestly she's she stated well it's what it's the reaction you're looking for and you know again if blood origins doesn't exist those kinds of things oh was that your comment 
I posted a comment okay. that is pinned on Rich's post, which is something along the lines of, um, yeah, let me see if I can get it. My, my post is full of it right now. Uh, I, my, my comment was, bears like wolves elicit huge reactions from people who think, one, they are cute and cuddly, two, they are endangered, and three, nobody eats bears. Right, I read this one. So here's some facts. Yes, they're incredible creatures. They're also predators that have impacts on deer, elk, moose, calf, survival, and mortality, and as, as such requires some of the management. Black bears are, the, are one of the most prevalent, uh, prevalent species in North America behind white-tailed deer, especially prevalent in Colorado, around 20,000 bears. Three, Bear meat is consumed all the time, is nutritious and delicious, and has to, by law, be taken off the mountain. Right. End of the day, I get you being upset, but sustainable management of black bears is a necessary activity. Yeah, and and couldn't couldn't say it better. And honestly, her, I feel like the person's reaction to that is a respectful reaction, where they hundred percent, yeah, where they said, you know, hey, this this irks me, this makes me kind of nauseated, but I understand it, and. It's a great point. If we do let the deer population, for example, grow to a point where, you know, this chronic wasting disease affects all of the population of Colorado mule deer, there's a bigger problem at hand. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, vehicle collisions, right? And people are like, well, I'm sick and tired of my car getting hit by a deer. Yep. CPW, come out. Yeah, anyone that's... You need to take care of this population. Anyone that's driven out around uh, uh, Montrose, you know... I've never seen so many deer near collisions in my life driving around Montrose, Colorado. The same is true with elk in, in Estes Park. Unbelievable amount of elk on the streets of Estes Park. The, <laughs> the interactions that you can have in that town, you're 10 feet from bull elk that are six or seven points. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So crazy. management is important. No, I think respect. Um, is the number one key thing here. And I totally agree with you. We will always be respectful in our responses and in our comments to people. And we'll also be honest. And honesty is a little bit um, disarming in the social media space, i.e., yes, you're right. It's a terrible picture. I agree with you. But let's just talk about something else. Or, hey, I get why you're upset. I get that you actually hate hunting. I get it. And you're allowed to have that opinion. But here's why this person's hunting. Or well, this is why elephant hunting isn't atrocious. Here's the benefits to that person that you've never met before that has nothing, who hasn't had a piece of protein in three months. And this is the first piece of protein they get. Well, you know, I'll say what I learned from my experience with the, with the gentleman, uh, which, by the way, this was not a... This was not an uneducated gentleman. He was a doc. He's a medical doctor. Um, was that you do? You you have to take the high road. You have to treat the person with respect, even if they're not treating you with respect, and always back down from a fight. You know, there it's like a physical fight. You, there's always ways out of it if you just hey. take the high road, walk away, uh -huh. express express your point, and then walk away respectfully and. That's what I learned from that. And, you know, I was, re I was just as triggered as I'm sure he was because I saw the look on my wife's eye, on her face that, that she thought we were doing something wrong. He did not want to hunt the rest of that. Even though she was holding a tag, he did not feel right hunting that year. And uh, it was really disappointing and I was angry. But and I think just calming down and, and just 
accepting it for what it was was the smartest thing I could do at that time. And I'm glad that was my reaction. Yeah, 100%. That was a good reaction, man. Um, I'm sure you've heard about the Colorado ballot initiative that's coming. Uh, the Wolves one or? Oh, no. Mountain Lions. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mountain Lions, Bobcats, and Lynx. We've got a long road in front of us in Colorado. 13 months. 15-round um, fight. It's a long, long journey. Yep. But uh, we can talk about that a little bit offline. Um, Matt Chan, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, I really appreciate you. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.